here with you again. I missed you last Sunday, but while you were here listening to Harvey speak, I was praying for you. I was praying for you because I love you, and uh, I'm so thankful for the fact that we are a family. We went to Dan's son's church in Vancouver last sun Sunday, and it hit me as we worshipped that we were a part of the family there too, even though we'd never met any of them before. Even, you know, I, I thought it was interesting, those two people, she inadvertently led him to the Lord, but they'd never actually met. And here we stood and we worshiped with a bunch of people in a theater as well, and we'd never met them, but we worshiped the same God, the same Father. We worshiped in similar ways, and as I stood there with my hands raised, I, I felt like we were part of the same family. And some of the songs were new, some were the same, but the presence of the Lord was very comfortable and very familiar to us. That made us feel at home. And I'm thankful to be a part of God's family from wherever. And I hope that you all feel at home here. I hope that as you worship, you're able to focus on the fact that we serve the same God. We come from different backgrounds, but we're his family. Last, son, last uh, month, or this month, no, last month, I started a series of messages called, What Are You Waiting For? When you wait for something, you have an expectation of something. Many of us order online and then we wait. It depends on who you're ordering it from. You have to wait, you know, a day or two or you have to wait weeks, whatever. But then you wait in expectation. And then there's the joy of actually receiving that item that you ordered and opening it up. Expectation is the word that God gave me and put on my heart for 2023. Dan think is, thinks it's really funny that I have shared, I am expecting. And I hope you are expecting too. In part one, I said that we have an expectation of eternity because Jesus said, I am going to prepare a place for you in John 14, verse 2. In part two, I said we have an expectation of direction because Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, John 14, 6. In part three, I said that we have an expectation of miracles because Jesus said miraculous signs will accompany those who believe. That's in Mark 16, verse 7. But John 14, verse 12 says, anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done, even greater works. Today, in part four, I want to tell you that we can have an expectation of relationship. Because Jesus said, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me. John 14, verse 3. There are so many scriptures I could have used. And Dan mentioned one earlier that I put in here. Jesus said, I will never leave you or forsake you. What a great promise. Funny thing, as I was doing this message without even trying to do it, and as I was going over the expectations and their becauses, I found that they are all actually from the scripture, the, the portion that I am going to read today in uh, John chapter 14. I want to encourage you, here's your homework for the week, go home and read John chapter 14, the whole chapter, read it in as many different translations as you would like to, and make yourselves notes and see what God has to say to you from that scripture. But even in the beginning of the Bible, we read that God has a plan for us. God expects relationship. In Genesis 2, verse 18, it says, Then the Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. 
and then to fix what he deemed as not good from God's perspective, he said, I will make a helper who is just right for him. And Doug says, amen, right? You see, even before this verse came about, so go back one chapter into Genesis 1 verse 26, God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Because we are made in his likeness or we are made to be like him, we need relationship. The beauty and the mystery of God is that he is three. He is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. He is three distinct beings, yet he is one God. They are in perfect unity, in perfect oneness. And that is a fact that we get, as we get to know the Lord, we get to understand a little bit more and more the closer we get in relationship with him. But we probably won't fully understand it until the day we see him face to face. But what an exciting thing to get to know him. You know, I read a statistic that I think is probably outdated now, but it said 36% of North Americans feel loneliness, isolation, and they are aware of uh, that something is missing relationally in their lives. God never intended it to be that way. God never intended us to be alone. And you know, that's a huge indicator that the enemy is at work in the world and in people's lives today. A mental health expert said that today many people are seeking autonomy. They seek independence without accountability. Think about it. They shop online, like I mentioned before. They bank online, uh, they are, or they do the drive-through and they don't actually speak to anybody. They work from home. Their friendships are via Instagram and Facebook or FaceTime or something like that. Everything is from a distance. And they even prefer to go to church that way. They like the privacy of their own living room so they can go to church wearing their pajamas and drinking their coffee and not having to share with anybody. No one is challenging them. No relational hassles to worry about. Yet those people, maybe even without realizing it, are purposely and intentionally pursuing something that destroys their own mental health. And it robs them of the real joy and lasting fulfillment they could find in relationships. That is a life that is counterproductive to things that matter most. These past couple of years, the enemy has used fear and control to further isolate people from one another and to keep them from their God-given right and need for relationship. That's hurt people. It's hurt churches. And it's hurt, um, it's stirred up a lot of other problems that have arisen in these last couple of years. The need people have for relationship seems to come up more and more. Even when I speak to people, even when I speak to strangers, and I like to speak to strangers. I, I, I may look like a fool sometimes because I walk around and I smile to everybody. You know, I feel like even that smile is important to communicate because we can see each other's faces now. It's a wonderful thing. And I started a conversation in the airport with somebody, a beautiful lady from Pakistan, and I just started talking to her. She was a total stranger to me. Um, we were waiting for luggage. And then while our st before we parted ways, you know, you stand there for a few minutes, you part ways. And before we parted, she said, could I hug you? That's pretty amazing to me. So I hugged her. People need relationship. People need people. Do you realize that um, there are 59 
mentions of the words one another in the Bible. Do you know what that tells me? That tells me that it's very important because God designed us and intended us to be like him. And so we must expect relationship. Today I have only two points and I'll tell you what they both are right now. We are to expect relationship with God and relationship with people. Let's look at my first point, relationship with God. Friends, because of Jesus, we can expect to have a relationship with God. That was his plan from the beginning. He created Adam and Eve to have relationship with them. He walked with them and talked with them in the garden because that's what he wanted to do. That's what he wanted. But sin came in. The, the serpent came and deceived Eve. Sin came in and that wrecked the plan. But God already knew that was going to happen. Nothing surprises him. He knew that was going to happen and he already had a plan of redemption in mind. Lately, I've been hearing a lot of different pastors speaking about the word covenant. A covenant is an agreement, usually formal, between two or more persons to do or not to do something specified. A word for covenant in the Old Testament is used almost 300 times. And in the New Testament, that word is used about 30 times. So I'd say covenant is an important theme in the Bible. There are said to be five foundational covenants God made with people in the Old Testament. And I just want to quickly touch on them. If you watch podcasts, you probably heard something about covenant lately as well. After sin came and flourished on the earth, we read that God felt the need to start again as he did after the flood. God entered into a formal relationship with Noah and all living creatures, promising that despite humanity's corruption, he would never again flood the whole earth. The promise between God and man was the first covenant known as the Noahic covenant. We are reminded of this covenant every time we look into the sky after it rains and we see a rainbow. That is a sign of that Noahic covenant. And then God rescues, God's rescue plan continued when he called Abraham into a covenantal relationship with him. This redemptive partnership between God and Abraham was developed progressively. You read about it in Genesis, specifically Genesis 15 to 17. God promised Abraham a huge family, even though Sarah was, was barren. But he, he said that his huge family would inherit a piece of land in Canaan and bring universal blessing to all humanity through them. The sign of that covenant was in the flesh was circumcision at that time. That was known as the Abrahamic covenant. And then in the book of Exodus, we read about Moses going up into the mountain. And you know I love Moses and all things about him in the book of Exodus. But to hear the terms of God's covenant with the people in the law. God promised to make Israel into a holy kingdom of priests that would spread the blessing and glory to all the nations. There were the blessings and curses promised in the Mosaic covenant. The sign of that covenant was the Ten Commandments or the law as I mentioned. And then the fourth one, because of David's love and devotion to God and his desire to show that love, he wanted to build God a temple. But God responded by making a covenant with David and his family, promising to make his name great and to raise up a descendant from David's line, whose throne and kingdom would last forever. 
David didn't get to make the temple, his son did. But this is known as the Davidic covenant. And despite the failures and the sins of David and his sons, God kept his promise to provide a faithful descendant of David to reign. The sign of that covenant, I believe, is the fact that the Messiah came from the line and the lineage of David. And then with Jesus, our Messiah, we come into the new covenant, which says that God will one day fulfill his promises, repairing his relationship with his people and blessing the nations through them. God will write his laws onto our hearts, onto the hearts of his people, bringing complete forgiveness of sin and raising up a faithful king from the line of David, Jesus, who will restore all that was broken. And people have broken the covenants of God, haven't they? In the new covenant, we receive the forgiveness of sin and God's empowering spirit to help us to live righteously and to partner with him as he renews the world. When we partake in communion, like we are going to do here soon, we are taking part in the symbols that represent the new covenant made with the body and the blood of Jesus. All of these covenants of, are relational. One builds upon the next, all drawing us closer and closer in relationship to God as he intended. You know, this plan isn't just being thought up on the fly. God had it all planned out from the beginning. Covenants are paramount for us who wish to have a relationship with God while we're still on this earth. But when we have a relationship with God while we live here on earth, we know we can have a relationship with him as he promised for all eternity as well. That's the goal, you know. So to know him and to make him known is so all could come to experience his saving power and his covenantal relationship with us is so we can have relationship with God. In John 14, the disciples knew that Jesus would be leaving them, and they were discouraged, and they were worried. They didn't want to let go of the relationship that had become so precious to them. Um, let me read a bit more from our text in John 14. And I'm skipping a bit because I want you to go home and read it yourself. Number Verse 1 says, Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. And trust also in me. When everything is ready, I will come and get you, so that you will always be with me where I am. If you love me, obey my commandments. Uh, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate, who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit, who leads into all truth. No, I will not abandon you as orphans. I will come to you. Soon the world will no longer see me, but you will see me. Since I live, you also will live. When I am raised to life again, you will know that I am in, the, in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Those who accept my commandments will obey them, and obey them are the ones who love me. And because they love me, my Father will love them, and I will love them and reveal myself to each of them. That expected relationship with God is so clear to me here in John 14. Jesus walked with those disciples and they loved it. They loved that fellowship they had with him on a daily basis and they loved him. And now that he would be physically gone from them, they were stressed. And, but 
they they wanted the physical closeness with him, like friends walking together and hanging out together and eating together and all of that. But he said it would be even better when he would leave because he would be living in each of them by the Holy Spirit. The relationship was not meant to end, but it was meant to get even better. Because the Holy Spirit came, we can all have a relationship with God at the same time, no matter what country we're from, no matter where we live, because he lives in you and you and you and you and you and you. He lives in you. He lives in all of us who invite him to come in. He is not limited to gender. He is not limited to age. He is not limited to wisdom or our education. He is not limited to countries or races. He's not even limited to you, whether you're good or not so good. He's not limited to that. In John 3, 16, you know that verse. That proves it. It says, for this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Mark 16, 16 says, anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved. We were chatting with Gordon. We said, baptism isn't what saves you. Baptism is a step of obedience that you take after you get saved, after you accept Jesus into your heart. And then you follow in Jesus' example and you get baptized. You know, we could go on and on reading verses that tell us that everyone and anyone who believes can have this relationship with God. We can expect it because he wants to have relationship with you. So friends, expect relationship with God. Number two, relationship with people. I listened to a podcast this week where the pastor was encouraging people to continue to come together. So I'm not the only pastor that says that, okay? I encourage you to come together, to go to church. You know, some churches are even discontinuing live stream services because they feel like too many people are staying home and not going to church. They want the people to come together physically because it's important. Another pastor who was speaking started telling about um, birds flying together information. When they fly together, they can fly 70% farther together than alone because of the aerodynamics of the formation. He also said that when a predator attacks those birds that fly in formation, they can quickly come together and fly in a kind of a, a ball shaped. While they're in flight, they fly together in a ball. Because flying alone, the more vulnerable birds of the flock, they, they you know fly off by themselves, another bird of prey could swoop down and catch mid-air another bird that's flying alone. It's much harder to do when they're flying in this ball formation. So it's the same for people. It's the same for people. When we're isolated and alone, we're more easy, easy prey for the devil. Together is safer. Together is better. Sure, there are challenges when we're together because of personalities and preferences, but we are better and stronger when we come together in unity. Maybe you think of yourself as the better, the stronger, the wiser one, or maybe you have little tolerance of the antics of others. Okay, but even you need those others, the strange ones and the not-so-strange ones. We need each other. You know that one of my favorite verses, maybe you can guess it already, Hebrews 10, 25, 
it says, and let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. And it is drawing near. Meeting together is one way God provided us a way of developing the relationship he deems necessary for us. Ecclesiastes 4 verse 9 to 12 is not just a wedding scripture, okay? It's not. It says, two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm. But not, how can one be warm alone? A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better, for a three-braided cord is not easily broken. It is God's plan for us to need each other. Together is better. Together is stronger. Together is healthier. And when it's you and me and God together, that's what strengthens us. We each get strength from each other as we get strength from the Lord. There was a farmer who grew excellent quality corn. Every year he won an award for the best grown corn. One year a newspaper reporter interviewed him and learned something interesting about how he grew it. The reporter discovered that the farmer shared his seed corn with his neighbors around him. How can you afford to share your best seed corn with your neighbors when they're entering corn in competition with yours each year, he said. Why, sir, the farmer answered, didn't you know the wind picks up the pollen from the ripening corn and swirls it around from field to field? If my neighbors grew inferior corn, cross-pollination will steadily degrade the quality of my corn. If I am to grow good corn, I must help my neighbors grow good corn too. So it is with our lives. Those who want to live meaningful and well must help enrich the lives of others. For the value of a life is measured not just by yourself, but who your life touches. And those who choose to be happy must also help others find happiness. For the welfare of each is bound up with the welfare of all. God intended us to be relational. So in keeping with his plan, we must expect relationship with people. We must work at relationship with people to honor God's plan for our lives. And I know it's not always easy. I know it sometimes is more of a challenge than other times. But it's important. As we read John 14, it's evident that Jesus had a relationship with God. They were one. And it's also evident that Jesus had a relationship with his disciples and people who followed him. As we are to be like Christ, we also need to expect relationship with God and relationship with other people. That makes us more like Christ, you know. I love it that this chapter concludes and it reiterates something that Jesus said at the beginning that I said it from Genesis. He said that he and the Father are one. So he said, all who love me will do what I say. My Father will love them and we, three in one, will come and make our home in each of them. And then when he left the room, instead of saying, bye, see ya, he said 
imparting shalom or peace. But when he said it, it's so much more. John 14, 27 says, I am leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. Remember what I told you. I am going away, but I will come back to you again. I have told you these things before they happen. So when they do happen, you will believe. When Jesus left, he had no inheritance or fortune to leave his disciples and his followers in his last will and testament. Yet Jesus gave him two things greater than any fortune. The presence and the power of the Holy Spirit and the peace of Jesus himself. This is the peace of God's son who was going into a not a very peaceful time when he died on the cross. But with he had complete trust and love in God the Father as he sent him to the cross. Through the Holy Spirit, the disciples then and now, we can have a relationship, a life of relationship, shared life and union with God the Father and God the Son and with others through the Holy Spirit. This is another wonderful example of the truth of the Trinity, the three-in-one God that we have. God the Father sent God the Holy Spirit at the request of God the Son. And this is so that uh, we, made in His or their image, we can have an abiding, beautiful relationship with Him and with others. You know, the entire focus of heaven is being united with Jesus in everlasting relationship. Heaven is not heaven because of the streets of gold or the pearly gates or even the presence of angels. And it's not even in the fact that there's going to be lots of chocolate with no calories, okay? But heaven is heaven because Jesus is there and we can be with him forever. We take comfort in knowing that even as he prepares a place for us, while we're here on earth, Jesus also prepares us for that place. And our relationship with God and our relationship with other people helps prepare us. That's what's important for us. Getting together here, understanding relationship here will prepare us also for heaven. James Berry was a man who wrote Peter Pan, among other works. And one of the books was about his mother, Margaret Ogilvy, and his growing up in Scotland. His mother endured a lot of misery in life, including the tragic death of one of her sons. But Barry wrote that his mother's favorite chapter in the whole Bible was John 14. She read it so much and wrote in her Bible so much on that page that when you put the Bible down, it would automatically open to that page because that's where she had read so many times. And Barry said that when she was so old, she could no longer read those words. She couldn't see, but she would stoop down her head to the Bible and kiss the page where those words were printed. She knew God. She knew him. She was in an abiding relationship with the Lord. And, you know, people may wonder why she should bother with such an expression of love even at the end of her life. She'd done it already in, in, in her earlier days. Why continue now? But the end of her life was merely going to be the beginning of an even better relationship with her Lord. It was important for her to express her relationship with him, and he took note, I'm sure of it. You know, one would have thought that, 
Jesus knew, knowing that he was going to die, and he was there together with his disciples, knowing one of them was going to betray him too. Maybe his deepest desire was just to sneak off alone and be just alone with God the Father. Yet he could not go and leave his disciples to go and be alone. He loved them too deeply to, to do that. They might forsake him, and they, many of them did, but it was impossible for Jesus to forsake his disciples. He was made for relationship. And friends, so are we. What are you waiting for? Are you waiting for a relationship with God? Then ask him to be your Lord and Savior, and he will come. He will forgive your sins, and he will make you new, and he will do it so that he can live in you with the Holy Spirit because he wants to have an abiding relationship with each one of us. Are you waiting for a relationship with others? Then reach out. Trust God that he will help you and lead you and help you to be a part of his family. And yes, it's difficult because we're all just people and we all have challenges and error in our own lives sometimes, but we need each other because that's the way God made us. So expect relationship and with God and with people because that is his plan. I'm going to say a word of prayer and then we're going to go into a time of communion. Father, I thank you that you made us in your image. And you are one, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. I'm so thankful for that. And I'm thankful that you plan for us to have a relationship with you and a relationship with others. And today as we come to you in the feebleness of our own flesh, we come to you humbly and say we need you. We need relationship with you. Have your way in us. Have your way in us. As we come now to communion, the ushers are going to come. Go ahead and help uh, take that and pass that out. I just want to share with you a little something. A couple weeks ago, Dan picked a song I requested again for today. And we're going to hear it as we take part in communion later. Let me read a part of the song lyrics to you says, I cast my mind to Calvary, where Jesus bled and died for me. I see his wounds, I see his hands, his feet, my Savior on that cursed tree. His body bound and drenched in tears, they laid him down in Joseph's tomb. The entrance sealed by heavy stone, Messiah still and all alone. Because Jesus died alone on the cross and was placed in that dark tomb all by himself, we don't have to be alone. Because he paid that price, we don't have to pay that price for our sins. Even on the day of our own death, this week Dan and I were at two funerals. One from a person that knew the Lord, and it was beautiful, my aunt. And another one from somebody who didn't know the Lord. What a difference there was in the funerals. But even in death, God doesn't look away from us. He walks that path with us as well. But he looked away from Jesus because he couldn't stand that sin. But he doesn't turn away from us. Matthew 27 tells us that now from the sixth hour until the ninth hour, there was darkness over the land. 
And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. That is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? God couldn't look upon Jesus who bore all of our sin. Those were Jesus' words when his father looked away. But oh, praise the name of the Lord our God. He not only took away our sin, but he made it so that when God looks at us, God sees the blood of Jesus on our lives. And he can look at us and he can love us no matter what sin and sickness we have in our lives. God does not look away because Jesus took all that on that aloneness on himself. And all we have to do is accept his forgiveness, accept what he did. So this morning, as we come together in communion, we are coming together to celebrate and to remember the new covenant that Jesus made with us, with his broken body and the blood that he shed. When we take the bread, that's what we're doing. We are rejoicing in the covenant, the new covenant that Jesus made for us. Let's play that song and just consider that as we sing and as we listen. Cast my mind to Calvary where Jesus bled and died for me. I see his wounds, his hands, his feet, my savior on that cursed tree. body bowed and drenched in tears they laid him down in Joseph's tomb the ancient seal by heavy stone Messiah still and all The blazing sun 
salvation that you had in place so that we could be in right relationship with you. And today we take this bread and we eat it in remembrance of what you did, in remembrance of the new covenant. Take and eat. And Lord, when you shed your blood on Calvary, you died alone and you went in the tomb alone so that we could have a relationship with you that lasts into eternity. And we thank you that one day soon you will come and return for us and we can drink from the, from the cup in your presence because of what you did. And we thank you for this new covenant in the blood. Take and drink. We did this in remembrance of you, Lord. Help us to be relational people with you and with others. And so that you would get all honor, glory, and praise. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. <laughs>